Thank you for listening to Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. This is episode 43, Kwame Scruggs, Tears on the Drum, Act 2, recorded March 8, 2021. So damn tired of waiting on a perfect A plus B. The one size fits all prudent kids all screaming about irrevocability. Let's burn some bridges, earn some stitches, and fight our own way free. Cause the rules don't lie, but they don't apply to people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 Now they say it's all decided, all divided, all laid out. And the pushcart man with a three-part plan can't understand what you're shouting about. But when the past they plow, the lives allowed are the only roads you can see. Just remember who walls were built to fall for old people like you and me. Let's start it up now. 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 This podcast is researched, recorded, and produced on the unceded lands, water, and air stewarded by the Canarsie and Munsee Lenape peoples in what is currently called Brooklyn, New York. Hey, hey, TA audience. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of our global community. Invite your peeps, colleagues, and friends to join us and subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or any podcast player. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And buy yourself some merch at the Teaching Artistry Pod Shop. The Teaching Artistry Podcast is sponsored by Statements from the Soul, created by Miss Hilary Shabazz, who is a beautiful spirit and makes clothes, jewelry, and more inspired by her African and Caribbean heritage. The Divine Grandmother Collection is inspired by her grandmother, who was always super supportive of her artistry. Check out Statements from the Soul on Etsy. Today is a big day. We are unveiling a new website look. Go check out the Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body podcast website that has a new slick design that is easy to navigate and showcases every episode of the podcast from the last five years. And it includes a new section of print resources for a deeper exploration of conversations and the artists that the podcast uplifts. Teachingartistry.org. So we are halfway through 2021 and the summer is unfolding and my birthday is upon me and this is a good time for reflection. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I have been on a health program now for eight months and have seen a significant change, strong changes in my health uh, journey. My body is shifting. My, um, I'm definitely working on some more mental health, uh, uh, aspects of who I am and what I am. And I am learning a lot about that. 
who I'm, who I'm meant to be, what I'm capable of. And, um, I don't, today I don't have any like, um, revelatory quotes. Um, and this is where I could use Mr. Scruggs actually. Um, but I feel like something is shifting in me and I'm starting to better realize, um, that I am capable of so much more than I allow myself and I don't give myself enough credit for what I do or what I have done. And I am working on expanding myself and listening and learning and growing and better understanding how to leverage the power of my voice to impact change, both my internal voice and my external voice. So speaking of listening, in the second half of this conversation, Kwame Scruggs shares his experience working with creative, uh, in the creative youth engagement field He talks about his own challenges as a young black man growing up and his African rite of passage that set him on the path that he's on today. Here is episode 43, act two, Kwame Scruggs, Tears on the Drum. There's something that you said that I, I, I want to I, there's two things, two things I want to get into. One is I want to learn more about uh, where you grew up and just learn a little bit more because you gave me a, a little piece. But um, there's that. But also, you know, those of us who are practitioners in this field, we may not have the same upbringing as the program participants, right? This poem that you just read is a good is a good and important reminder for us the challenge that I have, mm, yeah, the challenge that I think I have is about helping us to always remember that, but also knowing that we have to navigate in spaces where people won't understand that, can't understand that, right? They're the ones who are yelling at the kids for not having the pencil, for example. How do we, yeah, how do we, navigate in those spaces but also are like what is our role in changing those spaces because I feel like what we've done a really good job at up until this point I'll speak from the the eye I think I know that I have I've set up folks to sort of figure out how to navigate within those spaces as opposed to thinking about what do we do to bring uh you know, anti-racism practices into our, we embed it in our work and how we expect that, uh, where we go and who we work with and what does that mean? And those are the kinds of conversations that we are just starting to have now. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm trying to open that conversation up beyond me and myself and I, (laughs) um, yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I read it was either C.G. Jung or Joseph Campbell said, "In order to make the world a better place, you do what you do best." So, so I pretty much stay in my lane and and focus on what I do best is working with youth and adults through myths and fairy tales. And and a common theme and myth that you find is that 
when you do a good deed for somebody, your good deed will not go unnoticed for one good deed deserves another. So to me, uh, like, like with the youth and adults, constantly trying to, you know, instilling them to do the right thing. Okay. And, you know, the golden rule, treat others as you, as you want to be respected, you know, as you want to be treated. So it, it, it's like, uh, not everybody, we all come from different backgrounds and it's it's trying your trying your best to to listen to somebody else's story and it, and if you hear their story you hear their upbringing and then you'll be able to understand why they are asshole okay all right uh, okay if you if you hear their story and then what you got to do you got to have compassion you got to try to have compassion for that individual okay and you have to you gotta you gotta you know like they said in the 60s you got to keep your eyes on the prize okay and you gotta you have to you have to stay focused on what it is you can control okay and then and then you just try to you try to hear people out here again hear their stories and then hopefully they're open to hear yours you know and then hopefully good will overcome bad you know hopefully but i mean they you know it's easier said than done it's easier said than done so here again to me it's hearing people's stories you know and trying to talk to those people to see why they think the way they think, you know, and then trying to get them to have more of an open mind, you know, and understand that hey, you know, we are, we are wounded. We are, we are wounded. You know, the thing is, you know, wounding and is a common mythological theme. Like I say, it's a common theme in myth. Chances are, it's a common theme in life. And like we tell the youth, if, if you don't deal with your wounds, youth and adults, if you don't deal with your wounds, you will continue to wound others. Okay, so it's about trying to find out. But the, the whole thing, too, about wounds is, is through your wounds, that's where your blessings come. Okay, it's the wounds that drive us. It's it's my wound as a, you know, as a child that led me to work with urban youth. Okay, because I didn't want to see them go through the same thing I went through. Okay, so so I think it's you know finding out what is that wound, why is that person acting the way they're acting, and then while you hear their story, you're like, man, okay, I understand, you know, and try to try to build on your similarities as opposed to your differences. Uh, what I'm pulling out from that is approaching the individuals that we work with whether it's stakeholders or the young people and hearing their stories and, and going from there in terms of how we're working together, how we're growing together. The thing that I continue to butt up against in that, and I, I, I love that actually, but I really believe in that. I think what's, what I continue to butt, uh, get challenged by is that, um, generally those who we're working with who are the stakeholders are not necessarily the ones with the power uh, or the systemic, uh, uh, power. Uh, so that's, I think I'm still, I'm still, you know, n n uh, that's still like what's ringing over here is how do we shift or can we shift systems when we're, we're starting at this individual, individual space, yeah. which is where impact starts. 
So it makes sense that that's where we're starting, of course. But how how and when does it get to um, a more global place? Or or is it? <laughs> these are my questions. Or is it that if we f- we focus here, like you said, you do what you can, and um, you're doing here that 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 similar to the the good deeds, right? That there is a there's a ripple effect that can happen. The ripple. It's a ripple. So, so, um, um, if you, if you can't change the wind, you adjust your sails. Okay. So, so I always ask myself, man, what is my objective? And then I find the, the, the people utilize your resources the hero heroine utilizes their resources and you find the best person for the job it's not important who moves the logs what's important is that the logs get moved okay so you find somebody you find somebody within that structure okay who um who who might can make some changes and who willing to make a sacrifice and you just nudge them nudge them a little bit you know every chance you get not necessarily directly it can be indirectly but here again you know you 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 change one person that person gonna change somebody that person's gonna change somebody it's a ripple effect now you might not see it you know it might take 10 15 years but but if you keep chipping away and chipping away uh like in the myth of uh, the killing virtue, the, the cub puts his paw print in the paw prints of his mother every day. If you look at some every day, it's like you're not going to see the growth. But the cub says, one day I will be strong enough. And that one day going to come. Okay, so you just got to keep chipping away at it every day. Okay, even though you don't see the growth, you keep you keep chipping away. Gosh, I'm loving this conversation. I'm going to shift us to you. And and you talked about uh, your upbringing being somewhat either uh, that you talked about your upbringing. I'd like to learn more about that. So one, where did you grow up? Um, and ha- I'm seeing the drums behind you. Like when did you pl- start playing the drums? When, when uh, and or how were arts uh, a part of your your childhood? Uh, born in 1958, like I say, on West Akron, uh, on Store Avenue between Lawton and Slauson, all right? Uh, all black neighborhood. Uh, uh, like I say, man, you know, fathers in every home. Uh, you know, back when you used to play outside all day, all day long. My father, I'm Mr. Scruggs' son. Uh, Eugene's boy. Uh, so Mo man was like football star and he was, uh, he was one of the few blacks had a master's degree. Uh, he was over the neighborhood youth course. So he literally employed a thousand youth. Okay. So all my buddies had jobs and I used to go to playgrounds every day. Um, be there from, you know, sun up to sundown. Then my mother's a Somerville, second largest black family in Akron. So my cousins, uh, only son. Um, I was a, a shy, timid, insecure child. Um, still, still 
still have some of those traits. My earliest images of childhood, black and white TV, seeing the blacks. We were Negroes then. Being beaten to water hoses, the dogs, and nobody to explain that to me. Everything I saw on TV, we were butlers, slaves, clowns. And I, you know, just watching and nobody explained to me. I'm like, man, all they're doing is walking down the street. And I could tell, you know, that the only difference was the color of their skin. And here again, from just seeing everything that we were portrayed as butler slaves, clowns, I really internalized being less than because of I was, you know, because of the color of my skin. So, oh man, I'm 63 and I'm, say a few years ago, you know, I'm kind of cool with it. Um, but that's sad to have the education I have and had a success I've had and to still feel like I don't measure up because of the color of my skin. And we still going through this shit now, but you know, it's ridiculous. Uh, just brings up, you know, images. <laughs> it's been a rough year. And just, you know, just brings up, brings up uh, memories of childhood, but you know, because of the color of our skin. Um, but I, I, um, I said, man, you know, I'm shy, timid, insecure child, um, sensitive, sensitive child. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still sensitive. But I'm an artist, shit. Like you know, being an artist, you know, like I say, you know, give you that that license for that. Um, but start working. I, I played baseball, basketball, uh, Akron, a big sports town. Start working. When I was 16. Worked two jobs, 12 hours a day when I was 17 in the summer. Quit playing basketball. I worked every day after school, 18, graduated from high school on a Thursday, started working in Goodyear that following Monday. Worked in the mailroom, low as you could go. Then worked in the advertising department for five years, delivering mail, still low as you could go. I wanted to get in the art department at Goodyear. I was 19 years old and I was told that so-and-so doesn't want any blacks in the art department. 1977. I mean, from a legitimate source. <laughs> so uh, I still majored in commercial art. God's going to school in the evening. So still majored in commercial art for a few years. And then I had one job interview somewhere else. And it came down to me and somebody else. I didn't get it. Then I changed my major. Got, got accepted in the Cleveland Institute of Art. But hell, I was working full time. It just bought me a sports car. I wasn't quitting my job to go do that. Um, took me 15 years to graduate, going to school in the evening, left Goodyear after 15 years, wanted to move to New York City, recession hit, my sister moved back, um, got a graduate assistantship, didn't even know what that was, but took it. I took a 75% and couldn't pay because I, I left Goodyear and took a separation letter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Then I um, worked at Akron U. After I finished getting my master's degree, I went and uh, 
worked at Akron U for five years and then left Akron U. I went I went through an African based rites of passage. The drums got introduced to the drums when I went through an African based rites of passage. I was thirty one. And uh, uh, around 31, and that's when I was introduced to the work of uh, Malcolm X, read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And then that's when I started reading. I ain't really started reading until I was 31, 32 years old. After I read his book, I'm like, wow, they lied to me. Because, you know, when I was young, they, I, I, all, all the things, everything I saw about Malcolm was negative. I read the book, I'm like, they lied to me. I said, they lied to me about that. They lied to me about other things. So I started reading our history, man. I start, when I say I was reading, I mean, I'm reading four or five books a time, uh, 50, 100 some days a day for a year, probably about 15 years. Um, started reading our history, which got me interested in our, the psychology when I read The Miseducation of the Negro. Got, us inter got me interested in our psycho the psychology of Blacks. Then I, then I went through the African-based rites of passage, which introduced me to the concept that we were all in heaven before and we our souls knew what it was we wanted to do and that uh, we chose our parents geographical location color of our skin but the nine months while we're in our parents womb, we forget there's plenty of different theories on that and that's why i just realized that i was born for a reason and then i just started taking life more seriously at that point and that's when i legally changed my name to kwame and uh uh, got introduced to the drums, you know. I just played the drums well enough to tell the myths, uh, but we worked with some uh, master drummers. So yeah, uh, there you go in a in a nutshell. <laughs> First of all, thank you, thank you so much for feeling comfortable enough to share that much with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also, what what a journey, what a journey, and. Um, yeah a lot of it resonates with me in certain ways. Um, I mean, I, I clear I'm younger than you, but I, I can, um, in certain ways you have, you have echoes for me, no, not to be weird, but like you have echoes for me for like my, my father and uncles, um, yeah. in terms of yeah. that imagery and nobody talking to you about why that imagery is the, is, is happening. Um, and the idea of, of needing to educate oneself um, because there isn't necessarily uh, education that's happening in school or, or potentially at home um, and what, what kind of responsibility we have to do that for ourselves, which is on the one hand completely like, what, why? But also on the other hand, like it does mean that we get to, we get to do a lot of our own choosing of what we get to read, especially if we're older. And I think a lot of the conversations in terms of uh, education now um, and, and educating ourselves on the uh, uh, holistically, not just uh, those of us who are identify as black, but, uh, but in general, like we all need to be reading these things and we all need to be uh, cognizant because it's uh, the, there's a song that where a lyric of the song is, um, you know, the whites write the show. So if you don't get your education, you'll never know. Right. So, the, <laughs> so there's uh, and it was, it's a base off of a slave narrative. So, um, so that's what, what that, that point. And then, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to belabor this, but there is a part of me that wonders like as your 63 year old self, like what would you tell that kid? How would you like it? Or is that what you're doing with alchemy? 
yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing with alchemy. And I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, we do the myths while the myths do us. Okay. So, so while we're asking the youth the questions, we got to answer them too. Okay. So like, like we tell the youth, you know, you can lie to us, but you can't lie to yourself. And that's same with us. We answering the questions. I can lie to them, but I can't lie to myself. So we're working through it, you know, and I'm working through it just as, uh, you know, as they are. Um, before I forget, you talking about uh, the education system and not not teaching us, and we gotta read ourselves. Uh, Woodson said, uh, "Man has two sorts of education." When I say man, I mean women also. You know, obviously, so man has two sorts of education: the kind in which he is given, and that in which he gives himself. Of the two, the latter is by far the more desirable. You know, so yeah, you want to read on your own, and then you come to find out. <laughs> that's like when I when I went through the rites, it was like it's an African based rites of passage. Uh, when I went through the rites, it's like and and also when you start reading, uh, it's like you're going through life believing the hat you're wearing is red. Then you read more and more, so you come to find out the hat is ain't red, it's blue. Then you come to find out it ain't even a hat. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> I remember Dr. Whitaker, a mentor of mine, he's like, wow, it's like when you read, it's like, man, you know, you open the book and like, wow, I didn't know that. You read a little bit more, man, I didn't know that either. Read a little bit more, I didn't know that either. He said, that's on the first page, okay? When, uh, when, I, finished, when I finished my school and writing my dissertation, uh, I realized how little I knew, okay? How little I knew. Yeah. I think that there's something also to lifelong learning and, and, and there's a part I just had, okay, before I got on here, I, I had a conversation with uh, a colleague um, and I was, I was sort of recounting a, a, without a lot of detail, but I was recounting a, a challenging um, moment that I had last week and I was talking about, I should have done this and I should have done that. And she said, what if, what if you change shoulda to could, I could have, or we could have, right? And that makes me think about, which just opens up doors because there's no blame or judgment. It's just more like if we could, if we had could have done this, then that could open like the, the doors, right? The doors quote that you said earlier that I'm not going to remember, but something about doors opening where you didn't know doors could be. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like we are constantly on a journey moving forward. And the more we learn through all the different pathways, we're listening to people's stories. We're reading different books, which is getting us to, or we're reading different um, things and engaging in different conversations that's just opening up open 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 and that can last over an entire lifetime so I think you know I, I, I know for me like reading reading Malcolm X and learning that I did it for a job but the fact is is that I had the same thing where I, I didn't know like he I look at sometimes I look at uh, they talk about civil rights and then he's not in, he's not in there. He's not in that like ethos. It's like, wh why? Well, because he was investigated because he was speaking truth. 
So they eliminate, you know what I mean? So they just extract him out, which is such a white supremacist thing to do. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, we have to dig in and we have to find the own and piece, piece things together for ourselves. But my, I think the, again, the moment that we're in right now, the conversations that we're having is that if you're going to teach about, if a, if a teacher chooses to teach um, at any point, whether it's during Black History Month or really, you know, at any time of the year, which which wouldn't that be great <laughs> that, you know, in order to, to teach about us, you have to actually like love us and and care for us and and know us. Right. So there's a lot of there's a lot of work that I think a lot of us, including I'm totally putting myself in there that I have to do. Um. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also curious, I'm just going back to something else that you said about the, the, oh no, I'm, I'm going to lose it. But that, that conversation about the job being in the part of the workforce before you went and got your master's or, or, or the, sorry, the, the, the workforce and then how long it took you to um, complete college. Like, I just want to mark that, that there are so many young people who, you know, start to go to college, they either have to take out loans or, or, or whatnot. And, you know, the priority becomes something else and they don't necessarily finish. And I, I, I feel like, and I didn't hear you say this, but I'm just saying this because my mother also took, um, what did she tell me? Seven years to complete her college. And she would always sort of start from the other way around because she would say, I wish I had, I'd been able to finish in four years, which is what I was told I had to do. <laughs> I was told you you have to finish in in four years because I'm not paying for it again. <laughs> I was like, okay, then I will do that. But but so so I think she sort of she put this thing where I finished in four years. You're supposed to you're supposed to finish in four years. But like the point is that you finished. The point is that not not only did you have to stop work. This I'm assuming that I'm talking about her experience, but she had to stop work, make the money, save the money, and then be able to pay for college, but she kept going back. That's a huge, huge thing in my opinion. So I just want to, I just want to mark that, that I think that that's amazing. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of things that we can, you know, again, that could and should like, I I'm trying, I'm trying to like also reframe some of my own memories, not necessarily to change the memory itself, but to change the way I view that memory. Uh, yeah, there's uh, that Sankofa. Uh, that Sankofa. That Sankofa bird. Mm -hmm. Concept Sankofa is not taboo to go back and fetch it. So it's okay. It's okay to go back and, and like you say, reframe things. Mm -hmm. uh, make it more understandable. Uh, then you're talking about, you know, finishing four years or 15, whatever. The race is not to the swiftest, but to those that endure. Okay. So, yeah, they, you know, one thing to focus on with the youth uh, in the book, Laws of the Spirit, all of our youth had his book, Laws of the Spirit by Dan Millman. It's a little short book, little novel. He says that in, in a 10 year period, we can pretty much, as humans, we very seldom fail. We merely stop trying says in a 10 year period, we can, you know, accomplish practically anything we want. So, so man, I tell the youth, ask them, you know, what do you want to do? What do you think you want to be in 10 years? 
And then uh, you write down the steps that it's going to take for you to do that, and you simply go do it, you know? Yeah. And years from now, you're going to be 10 years old anyway, so be 10 years older doing what you want to do. Follow that bliss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, follow that bliss. Um. Okay, so we've talked about a lot of things that I wanted to make sure we covered. Um, I am curious though, like as things start to open up over the course of time through vaccinations and inoculation, herd immunity, et cetera, what are you hoping or, uh, what am I going to ask here? Either. What are you hoping can happen for your young people, your, um, the participants in your programs, or are there any, adjustments that you are going to want to make as uh in subsequent years based off of what you've learned from this year (laughs) let me first answer what i want for the youth i want them to become the hero in their own stories i want them to incorporate the character traits of the hero into their own lives okay they all they all have like these alchemy wristbands because like in the while we're in the circle, they all saying the right thing. But the thing is, what are you doing outside of the circle? And that's to remind them of the things they talked about in the circle. So I want them to, you know, make the necessary sacrifices today for tomorrow. All right. Because like I tell them, I know a lot of things we talk about, they not gonna, they don't understand right now. But when they're 25, 26 years old, they're going to look back and they'll understand. So like our youth now who are 27, 28, they still had a journals that were they, that they wrote in when they were in sixth grade. And I talked a lot of them, you know, they on Facebook or whatever. And I run into a few of them. They're just like, man, Kwame, I, you know, they talk about when they're going through rough times, they go back and look at their journals, okay? And look at the myths and the quotes, okay? And that's what it gets them through. Um, so that, that's what I want for the youth, uh, for them to be who they meant to be, their, their, their potential is off the charts. Um, for me, um, I am, uh, I'm, I'm tired of. I'm on my 17th year of alchemy. I'm tired of tap dancing. Um, I'm, I'm tired of spending so much time. I got a grant writer. I'm tired of uh, proving the grants. I'm tired of the financials. I'm, I'm tired of meetings. I'm tired of tap dancing. I'm done tap dancing. Um, I'm no longer going after grants. I'm working that aren't signature grants. Okay. Okay. If I can't just sign my name and you give me the money, I've proven myself. I'm, I'm tired of that. Okay. So if you can't give me the just give me the money, then I, I I'm not doing it. So I'm going strictly off contracts, which the I decided that last August. The feeling of emancipation is beyond 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 cool. Um, however, I got to make up for 85% of my salary now. <laughs> okay. 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 So, 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 without the freedom, 
<laughs> Wild Freedom is cool. Hey, come July 1st, it's getting ready to get real for a brother. I got three more paychecks left. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so that's where I'm going. What's that? Well, we can have a whole conversation about the industrial, nonprofit industrial. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired. I've done my 17 years. I'm, I didn't have enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I hope, hey, yeah, I'm done. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh man. And I know speaking of, you know, equity and inclusion, I know without a shadow now now we've been blessed. We've been blessed, okay? Knight Foundation, GAR Foundation, Cali Pia Foundation. I've been blessed. But I know without a shadow of a doubt for some of the foundations here in Akron, for the majority. With, with, with a nonprofit called Alchemy, working with black boys with drums, doing myths, I know good and darn well I'm here to a different standard. Mm. I know for certain, you know, but it's all cool. Well, then again, it ain't. That's one of the reasons I'm leaving. It ain't cool. But hey, it's, it's you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I, uh... I don't know enough about it yet because I haven't read it, but Charles Blow has a new book out. I don't know if you've seen this. It it just came out. I'm not going to know that. I'm not going to say the name because I'm not going to get it right, but it it is about, um, it is for, it is by a black man for black people. And it is about, uh, essentially how do we build infrastructure that is not reliant on the current systems at play or despite the current systems at play. Um, That's one. And then two, I think that, you know, what I'm, what I'm hearing is just going back to your own quote, follow your bliss. And if you're not interested in, in, in dealing with the, like the okay, well, you know, because we could also talk about yeah, the phil- the power that philanthropy has and how it needs to look at <laughs> interrogate itself and make the change because, you know, the I have a I've had another guest on here many many years ago or last year maybe um who was talking about like if if the issues that are at hand if people really wanted to solve it they would but they don't actually want to solve it, <laughs> so. It so it's not working. Surgery. It ain't brain surgery. They do not. They do not want to solve. It's only so much of the pie. Okay, it's only so much of the pie, and they, you know, quote unquote, they are afraid that you know, the more they give out, quote unquote, give out. Okay, the less for them. So yeah, it, this ain't brain surgery. Okay, when I when I when I went through the rights and found out that it costs more. To send somebody to jail than to send them to send them to Harvard. When I heard that, people ain't stupid. Okay, so so that that right there is telling you they do not want to solve the problem. Okay, so no, they don't want. So but 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 we can't keep asking somebody else to solve. You know now now we we we, we necessarily create the problem, <laughs> but now we gotta ask ourselves what we doing to perpetuate the problem. Okay, but but yeah, we can't keep the the Andre Lord. The master's tools are not going to d- dismantle the master's home. Okay, so so 
you know, like say now, hey, I've been blessed. I've been blessed because I've got some foundations that really love what we do. Okay. And then, and then, and then, you know, when you get into national exposure, and then it make them look bad for not for not funding you locally. Okay. When you when you got the stats, you know, to to show, hey, <laughs> okay, but. <laughs> So, 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 hey, hey, yeah, they don't, they don't, you have some who do want to fix the problem. You have some who do want to fix the problem. So I'm not talking about them. If the shoe fits, you wear it. Okay. If the shoe fits, you wear it. So anybody who might be listening, oh man, you hear what Kwame said? Hey, if it don't fit, you don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. So if, if it, yeah. So if it bother you, why is it bothering you? Okay. So, yeah. So, hey. I've been in the 17 years and let, let me say this too now uh another quote they say before you set your sights too high on anything you see how happy those are who already possess it so let me take ownership that when i started alchemy i had no clue what an executive director did i ain't no executive director so so that's my fault i ain't no executive director supposed to go out and get money and promote the organizations I only ask for money one time in 17 years because I don't like asking people for money. I don't like promoting myself or promoting the organization. So Alchemy has been successful in spite of me, not because of me. All right. So, so, hey, so I got to take full responsibility that I didn't know what I was getting myself into. You're talking about should or could. Hey, <laughs> I should. <laughs> okay. I should have had somebody else be executive director. And me just be, you know, creative. Wow, this bringing us full circle. This bringing us full circle. One of the reasons I'm stepping back is so that I can be creative, so that I can spend my time. So now the majority of my time is spent being creative. We only, I went on, only went after one grant this year. That's all, one grant, okay, from from one foundation who really supports us, and uh, uh, because I'm. I'm tired of all that. I'm tired. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, so man, so much of my time now is spent just being creative, you know, and it's, and it's, it's a beautiful feeling. It's a beautiful feeling. <laughs> but here again, like I say, oh, brother got three paychecks left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so it's getting ready to get real. <laughs> so. Oh, buddy, and I'm laughing to keep from crying because I done been there for. So we, so we doing a myth right now, Iron John, and the boy, the boy, he didn't, he didn't pass the trial period, so Iron John had to let him go. But he said, because you got a good heart, you know, if you, if you, he said, he said, he said I'm have to let you go, and you're getting ready to learn what poverty is. He said, but because you got a good heart. If you need something, you ride to the edge of the forest and you holler out, Iron John, Iron John, Iron John. And then I'll come and give you whatever it is you desire. So I've been telling my staff and the people close to me, I might be riding to the edge of the forest, hollering out, Iron John, Iron John. <laughs> so we're winding down. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you want to ask me? Um, uh, is there anything that you want me to ask you? That's my question. Uh, no, honestly, no, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. So we could just keep talking about you, but I'm good. I hope, I hope that, you know, I didn't put you in a 
difficult position being honest? No, not at all. I appreciate your authenticity and your honesty, actually. It's refreshing. Yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) And and you're, I mean, you're, um, I'm always so impressed when people can state uh, quotes and you have said so many. (laughs) Um, I don't have that ability strongly and so I'm, I'm really and I'm and I think metaphorically often so you've made a lot of good metaphors for me to sort of latch on to and I appreciate that I, this has been a very um delightful but also um uh almost cerebral but like in a in a positive way conversation for me hey, hey let me let me say this before we go uh, man, you saw me tearing up. Um, uh, man, the one thing we do in the myths, you know, we say it's okay for boys to cry. All right. And so then one of our, when one of our youth cry, or one of the adults cry, we take the tears and we rub them onto the drum so that their tears don't go to waste. And when you hit the drum, their tears reverberate. And uh, far as the quotes, there, uh, the soul would have no rainbow had the eyes no tears. And so you're talking about quotes, all the youth, we haven't put their quotes in the back of the book because we always talk about quotes so they don't have to write them in in the journal. They go to the back of their book and they got all the quotes, you know, and they say the quotes too, man, help them in their roughest moments of life, you know. I love that. That's beautiful with the tears. Yeah. The soul would have no rainbow, had the eyes, no tears. Okay. I'm going to ask you something that you absolutely can say no to. Okay. Would would you feel comfortable playing a drum as our final thing? <laughs> I'll uh, like I say I just play well enough to to, to tell us tell a story. Um, well, I guess that's that's my point. Is if if you have a story that's sort of top of uh, mind. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Uh, do do do. Story of Father, Son, and the Truth. Father, Son, and the Truth. So there's this this father and son, and they're really close to one another. This is not a myth. This is not a myth. This is just a story. They're really close to one another. And this, on this one day, the father, he has to go to work, as many fathers do. So he left his son home all alone. And on this day, some, some robbers came, some bandits came, and they kidnapped his son, and they put, they put a burning corpse a burnt corpse into the house. Now, it wasn't the corpse of the son, but of, a, of someone else. So when the father came home, he saw his house burnt down and he saw that, that burnt corpse there. And understandably, he took that to be his son. And because they were so close, he started to grieve. Well, the people in the community thought that if they had a funeral, that would bring some closure to, this, to his grief, but to no avail. Well, so much time had passed that they were able to rebuild the home and that that father, he had took those ashes of what he thought was his son and put them to this urn. 
into this urn and the father is holding on to this urn and on this particular day now like i say the house had been rebuilt on this particular day the son had escaped from his kidnappers and he ran back to his home and he peered in the window and he saw his father sitting there holding on to that urn on the ashes of what he thought was his son and the son knocked on the door once and the father he didn't bother to turn around he said who is it and the boy said it's me papa father holding on to that urn said that's a cruel trick to play on the old man go away so the boy knocked again the father still holding on to that urn he didn't bother to turn around and he said who is it and the boy said it's me papa father said that's a cruel cruel trick to play on the old man the boy now he knocked for the third time the father not bothering to turn around holding on to that urn of the answer to what she thought was his son said who is it and the boy said it's me papa the father said that's a cruel 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 trick to play on the old man go away so despite the closeness of the father and the son they never saw one another again the moral of the story is if you hold on to something for so long believing it to be the truth when the truth comes and knocks on the door you won't open it so it's just telling you to let go of things so you can live. All right. So there you go. All right. Wow. Don't put me on the spot like that again, sister. <laughs> you could have said no. <laughs> you could have, I swear. Thank you. Thank you for not saying no, though. Yeah, it's all good. Kwame, thank you so much you. for your thank time, you. for your beautiful story, um, and for your, like, really, I'm very drawn to your energy. I really appreciate you giving it so much of it to us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Episode 43, Act 2 of Teaching Artistry with Courtney J. Body. Kwame Scruggs, Tears on the Drum. Join us next time for a conversation with Denny Palmer-Wolf. This podcast is edited and produced by Ben Weber. Christopher Totten is the director of creative content. Jonna Waldman wrote and performed the theme song. Tim Palin designed the logo. Visit us at www.teachingartistry.org and head to the pod shop at the top of the page for merch. Twitter us at TA underscore artistry. The gram at teaching artistry with CJB. And now on YouTube, check out the teaching artistry with Courtney J. Body channel and watch We Can't Go Back. Like our page on Facebook, listen to us on SoundCloud, subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to share this podcast with all the teaching artists in your life.